Welcome to Sports Talk with Tonsoni, the Indiana Baseball Edition. I'm your host, Brian Tonsoni, and along with Chris Feeney, Josh Bennett, Cassidy Palmer, and Carl James, we will be bringing you information on Indiana baseball. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to Talking Hoosier Baseball. This is Episode 9. Cannot believe that we're already at the ninth episode of this show. But they've been really happy shows, and including this week. It's been a good week of baseball for the Indiana Hoosiers. Four wins and moving up in the rankings and moving up into RPI, which we'll talk about later. So let's start off the show with a quick summary of this week's games. Game 1 uh, at Indiana State, a delayed game to Wednesday, the Hoosiers came from behind to defeat their in-state rival, the Sycamores, 5-3. to three. The Hoosiers pounded out 10 hits, led by multi-hit efforts from Logan Sowers, Ryan Feynman, and Sam Crail. Feynman and Sowers both homered, and Sowers provided the game winner with his towering two-run shot. Tim Heron picked up the win in relief, going four strong innings, and he was able to get out of a tough jam in the bottom of the fifth when uh, runners reached, the first two runners reached, Runners on first and third with nobody out. He was able to get out of that. Cal Kruger came up in to pick up his third save. Then Thursday, uh, some more weather postponed the games with Butler. And so there was a doubleheader on Friday as the first part of a three-game series. So Butler at the BART in a doubleheader. A lot of good things ended up happening there. But in game one, Indiana won 6-5. to five, But in all honesty, the game was handed to the Hoosiers by the poor play of the Butler Bulldogs. Butler was able to solve our ace, Jonathan Stever, and scored all five runs after two were out with clutch hitting. Two, five two-out RBIs uh, gave Butler the lead at several times, but the Hoosiers were able to put enough pressure on Butler to score six unearned runs to pick up the win 6-5. to five. Uh, The Hoosiers only had six hits for the game. Ryan Feynman had a great uh, day at the plate with three hits. Matt Lloyd also had two for the Hoosiers. The winning run scored on a wild pitch, uh, and Cal Kruger picked up his sixth win of the year in game one of the doubleheader. Game two of the doubleheader against Butler saw the Hoosiers dominate the Bulldogs from the beginning. Paulie Milto uh, regained his form and went six innings without giving up a run and raised his record to four and two. Andrew Andrew Selfrank and Nick Eaton pitched three strong innings in relief, uh, striking out a total of six. The Hoosiers pounded out 19 hits on the day. On the game, Ryan Feynman again had three hits and five RBIs. Matt Lloyd also added three hits. Scotty Bradley, Matt Gorski, and Logan Kalitha, and Justin Walker each had two two hits in their multi-hit efforts as the Hoosiers won game two of the doubleheader and game two of the series. Saturday saw the final game of the series against Butler, and they came from behind twice after Butler had leads of two to nothing and three to two to go on to win easily by the score of ten to three. The key inning was a four-run sixth inning for the Hoosiers. After that, the score was 6-3, to three, and the Hoosiers tacked on four more runs to seal the victory. Cam Beecham picked up the win in relief, raising his record to 3-0 on the season. Connor Manis started and went five innings, giving up two runs. B.J. Sable, Grant Sloan finished the game strongly on the mound. Matt Gorski led the offense on Saturday with three hits and three RBIs, including a key go-ahead two-run homer in the bottom of the sixth. Multiple hit efforts in game three 
were turned in by Matt Lloyd, Luke Miller, Logan Sowers, and Scotty Bradley. The 4-0 week for Indiana raised their record to 20-5 and on the season, so a lot to talk about this week in a solid week for our Indiana Hoosiers. We're going to start off, as we do most weeks, with our Hoosier highlights. I, I have a couple of things real quick. Uh, in the first game, after a tough offensive uh, approach, uh, the, the game was tied uh, 4-4, and Drew Ashley steps to the plate with the runner on third and less than two outs. And Indiana had struggled in in several offensive scenarios, but that being one of them that we thought uh, was a struggle, and Drew fouled off some pitches, was – uh, from the start, looking to go to right field and drive in the run. Uh, and he was able to hit a sacrifice fly deep enough to to score the lead run at that time. Butler later came back to tie it. But it seemed like after that at bat, the rest of the weekend, Indiana was a lot more productive, despite bunting, but a lot more productive in bases loaded situations, runner in scoring position with less than two outs. And so I give credit there to Drew Ashley for getting uh, – the mental right approach going with the solid at-bat. And, and my other highlight was I thought that we pitched out of trouble three times this week. Uh, and Cam Beecham, in both his outings, gave up runs and might not be as pleased with his outing as, as he, he has in the past. But he was able to really be a bulldog at times and get out of a, a jam at Indiana State in the second inning and also uh, in his outing against Butler. And Tim Heron did the same at Indiana State. And I think those are key things that sometimes the other team's going to get hits and some teams, the other team's going to put pressure on. But if you can really bear down and get key outs and prevent uh, uh, those runs from scoring to give this offense a chance, those are my highlights uh, in a very successful week. So we welcome the gang this week in a very successful week. Uh, Josh, we'll start off with you. What is your Hoosier highlight for the week? Uh, this week, my Hoosier highlight is going to be uh, Scotty Bradley. Um, came in and played in game two and three of the Butler uh, series. Hasn't had a whole lot of playing time due to splitting uh, time at first base with uh, Dunham and Lloyd. But, man, did he take advantage of it in game two and three. Uh, four for four with four runs, three walks, two RBI, a double, a home run and uh, some great defense. So it was it was good to see him get some playing time and take take advantage of that. You know, Scotty Bradley is is a player that a lot of us up at the rail and at the tailgate, as we talked to various fans, and we we wondered uh, when he was going to get a more consistent opportunity uh, because it just seems like the kid just rakes and hits and hits and hits. And boy, he was ready when called upon, and and that's a sign of a good squad. We have a lot of players, and finding at-bats for a lot of our talented players could be a very difficult thing for the coaching staff to do going forward because of our depth. And and Scotty was ready, and he, he got another start on Sunday, and, boy, he hit the ball hard all week. I look for him to, to get more opportunities if he keeps hitting the ball like that. Cassie, uh, your thoughts on um, your Hoosier highlights? So – my highlight kind of spanned the weekend, and that was capitalizing on the Butler errors all weekend. By my count, and I did a quick peek through, by my count, the Hoosiers scored at least one run on each and every error that Butler committed. And I don't know that I've ever seen that in a weekend series with that many errors. It was kind of constant. and that And that's just something that, hasn't always been happening with this team. 
they'll get on base with an error and then just can't do anything. And uh, this was especially big with the uh, walk-off past ball. But that game also had three other unearned runs in a game that was tied in the bottom of the ninth. So, so the Hoosiers really found a way to score on those Butler errors, which was great. Yeah, and we were talking off air, and we were talking again. Uh, we might have a new segment up at the rail coming up a little bit later. Um, but, boy, hit it to Butler's third baseman. Uh, a routine double play turns into a double in a key mm-hmm. four-run inning. Uh, they they seem to play new third baseman every game, and the ball went through their legs. Their throws to first were – not very good. It's uh, it was a little bit of a, a tough thing to watch. You, you don't wish your opponents to be that kind of bad, but boy, the the Butler defense was bad. And again, I think Cassie's right. For us to take advantage of it was was fantastic. Carl, what is your who's your highlight? Uh, I'm really gonna be p- ping, piggybacking on what uh, both uh, you and Drosh said earlier, uh, but I'm I took a kind of a look um, just for the season. For the not for the players that are not everyday players, um, I actually tallied up their uh, their batting averages as a group. Um, and this group, and I'm including uh, Bradley, Dunham, Eustace, Walker, Stratton, Barr, Lowe, Ashley, Crail, Cross, and Bennell, uh, are hitting 258. Um, for comparison, the entire IU offense, including all the starters last year, hit 267. So this is a pretty solid performance that's coming out of uh, the the bench players. Um, you know, a few of them have gotten a couple spot starts here and there. Um, you know, we we already talked about Bradley, but uh, it, it's small sample size. But uh, uh, but uh, Stratton and Barr are both hitting uh, four hundred. Ashley's hitting over three hundred. Um, Hardly anyone's doing really bad. Uh, this group is the depth is just very, very impressive. Uh, they're they're taking the opportunities that they get, and as you described earlier, uh, a lot of these opportunities have been in, in key situations. Um, you know, I go back and think back to San Diego in particular, where a series of uh, pinch hits at the end of the of a game turned the game around and led to a win. Um, and in this case, some of these cases have been, you know, piling on once things have gotten a little out of hand. Uh, but the thing is, the coach puts these guys in and it's not a significant let up. These guys are able to continue to do damage and continue to ensure that this is, this is a win. Um, and, and, you know, you, you don't want to hope that somebody gets hurt. Uh, but, you know, if somebody does get into a slump or somebody gets hurt, uh, there are people that can be plugged in, and I think that that is something that makes me feel stronger about about how this program is going to progress over the next you know seven eight weeks. Yeah, the the depth thing is fantastic uh, because uh, it also puts a little bit of pressure on the starters to maintain their you know their skill level. Uh, you, you can't just assume you're going to be in the starting lineup. If you have guys pushing you, whether that's at DH, we've seen some changes at second base and short, uh, you, you have to perform to stay in the lineup, and that makes collectively everyone better. So uh, I'm going to send this back to Carl, and for our viewers who are seeing, you're seeing the, a great background by Carl James today, but at Talking Hoosier Baseball, we have a um, kangaroo court, 
And if you uh, if you read the sign out loud and say the the name, uh, you get fined ten cents. Uh, that's a rule that the captain myself has uh, put in. For those of you who are um, listening on the podcast and cannot see the visual uh, of Carl's background, it says beat, and it sees the conference opponent that we are playing on the weekend, which is a team from Indiana uh, up near Delphi, where I live. So we appreciate Carl's background this week and. Uh, that he got a, a way to say the name of the school without getting a fine. So that's how good this uh, group is, uh, that uh, he, he's very creative. And, and, Carl, you're up to only 20 cents on the year. And, and so, uh, you know, there's no interest on that. So Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. All right, now we're going to our uh, one of our favorite segments of all time, the, the Limo Hat Award. And Chris Feeney was in New York watching his beloved New York Mets, and so he opted out of the show so we talked a little bit about the um, Lemo hats, but we asked a, one of the super fans of IU baseball to join us today to give out the Lemo hats. Uh, th- this guy is just fabulous, man. I mean, he's he's out there chasing foul balls. He's out, uh, you know, really cheering for the Hoosiers. Uh, it is a privilege to know this young man. Uh, Drew is with us today. Uh, Drew, how are you doing? Good. Okay, and, and here's what I like and our listeners need to know about Drew. Drew has collected multiple foul balls, but Drew also gives them away. And and the other day he gave me a baseball that he had collected, and that really means a lot when young people, and young people as young as Drew, understand that giving to others is important. And so, Drew, um, you are uh, just a quality young man and a, uh, a quality fan, and we're proud to have you on the show. So we're going to start off with our – a limo hats and uh drew the defensive limo hat who are you giving that to this week gorski all right and, and why is matt gorski getting the defensive award saved a home run made some good throws and dealt for a catch yeah just an outstanding performance by matt gorski this week defensively and so matt gorski is our defensive Limo hat award. Okay, Drew, who are you giving out our pitching Limo hat to this week? Timmy Heron. And and why, Drew, is Timmy Heron getting our Limo hat of the week? Boys, zero runs, win against Indiana State. And, and, and Drew, I think that's an excellent choice because that Indiana State was a really big win for our resume, for our tournament prospects, and it got the week started out. Uh, he came in at relief and, and did a really good job. You had mentioned Paulie Milto. Paulie Milto would have gotten a limo hat in most weeks because he pitched really well. So I think that probably was your backup there. I think you made a really good choice in, in Heron uh, and also considering Milto. So you're two for two. And uh, who gets the offensive limo hat, Drew? Ryan Feynman, nine hits, seven RBIs, and one home run. Yeah, nine hits. Uh, that is an incredible week uh, for any hitter. I believe he was nine of 16. Uh, so um, we'll, we'll go over this really again. Just give me the names, Drew, when I ask. The defensive limo hat goes to? Gorski. The pitching limo hat goes to? Timmy. Timmy Heron. 
And the offensive limo hat goes to? Ryan Fender. And, Drew, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, stepping in for Feeney. I, I think you're better than Mr. Feeney uh, at giving out these limo hats. So uh, thanks for joining our show, young man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. So there you go, the limo hats. It's always tough in a week where you go 4-0 and and you score 13 runs and 10 runs. There were a lot of uh, people, as we have mentioned already in our highlights, coming off the bench, starting pitching. Uh, we mentioned Paulie Milto. We're not going to go through the cheese hats tonight because it would just take too long. Uh, Justin Walker had some good uh, appearances uh, this week as well. And so we just appreciate a lot of the players this week and going 4-0, and but we had to pick those three, and, and we're going to uh, move on. So we're going to send it over to Carl. We had a really big jump in the RPI. Carl, help uh, us understand uh, what happened this week. Uh, we played teams from Indiana, and Indiana is a great state, and it's a great baseball state so far this year. So playing teams that have good, solid winning records uh, is going to uh, help the RPI, and it's a, it's a, it's a bigger help uh, this particular week. So the jump uh, went all the way to number 18 in the real-time RPI. Um, and that is even with <clears throat> the opponent winning percentage for the year, uh, taking another drop uh, to 531. Uh, it's, 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 the drop is slowing. Uh, it's been consistent, but it's been slowing down, and it's kind of getting to the point where it's approaching to where this group of opponents is, is a performing roughly where they did last year. So it keeps that 2017 uh, base prediction kind of what I had originally written is kind of where this really is landing. We had hoped it would be a little bit better than that, but it looks like that's not really the case. Um, and I have, uh, rerun my models a little bit. Um, and they're a little messed up just because of the various, uh, uh, cancellations that had to get thrown into all of this. Um, but, uh, I kind of put a conservative prediction, went game by game and got a conservative prediction of the team from this point forward, finishing out the year 19 and nine, uh, before the big 10 tournament. Um, and when I ran that in my model, I came up with an RPI of number 16. And a number 16 RPI for a Northern team, in my opinion, means bleachers. Uh, I also checked Boyd's World. Um, Boyd's World maintains its own needs report to, 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 to say, okay, if a team, this team needs so many wins in order to achieve this level in the RPI. Um, and again, we're looking at that 16 number because that's, that's the 16 teams will get national seeds and be able to host a regional. Um, and the numbers diverge a little bit there. Boyd's World is saying uh, a, a 21 and 7 record will be necessary. Um, and again, this is before the Big Ten tournament, so the Big Ten tournament could also play a factor. Um, and, uh, you know, opponent winning percentage uh, could take a turn to the positive. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, looking at things on a national level, um, it, it was an interesting week and has been an interesting few weeks. Um, the, the area, the region I've been focusing on a little bit has been the West Coast, um, and there have been some interesting developments. Um, uh, a development that has not helped Indiana has been the, the struggles of San Diego, a team that Indiana played four times. So Indiana's struggles, uh, excuse me, San Diego's struggles, um, they're now below 500, um, and they are even struggling in their conference play. Um, but that's not exactly a a unique situation. Um, pretty much every team 
out West right now, although the major teams are struggling. Um, it's, you've got a whole bunch of teams that are playing right around 500. Um, and the, you really only have two teams that are really standing out out West. Um, and those are Stanford, um, and Oregon state, but Oregon state, who was the number one team in the country lost a series to Utah, which was an absolute stunning shocker. Um, and I mention this in relation to Indiana because while Oregon state is considered such a powerhouse and still has a huge national ranking, this really hurt their RPI. And there's talks that this might be enough to knock them out of the hosting situation. So if Oregon state gets knocked out of the hosting situation, that may open up another hosting slot. So that may, that's one of those things that, yeah, this is early on and there's, there's more to see, but given the fact that the West has such, you know, sitting around 500 records, uh, there's really not a lot that Oregon state can do to improve their strength of schedule. And, uh, and even if they're considered to be by the eye test, a really great team, they, they may be stuck with a two seed come, uh, come May. And that will be a, an interesting development and may give an opportunity for Indiana. So a, a, a solid week heading in the right direction. We need a little help from uh, some of our opponents to, to keep up the expectations from the preseason, but we moved up in some of the polls too. I think D1 baseball had us moved up to a number 10 seed. Yep. So uh, that that's some good news there. And um, we keep moving in the right direction. We got to keep winning series and we'll talk about our upcoming opponent here later in the show. Uh, but it, it's, it's vital to keep winning, get some of these midweeks and, and keep heading in the, in the right direction. Baseball America had us in their first projected field as a host uh, and Louisville would have been coming up, I believe was in uh, our um, so-called regional. So, but they did say that we had a slight margin for air and so that just means keep winning, keep winning, and good things will happen. Now we're going to send it over to the absolute guru, uh, thinking about her when I was standing at the rail and all of the stress that she was going through with the multiple bats and the and the long doubleheader. Uh, Cassie, uh, share with us your genius and what stats are you looking at this week? Well, I will say, as much as I love when our guys bat around, it is a nightmare on the scorecard. And if if we ever have an, uh, a game where we bat around in an inning and we go 10 innings, my scorecard is screwed. Because th- those just go over into the 10th inning. And so if we get a 10th inning in that situation, I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, I've so been now safe I'm, so far. I'm going to interrupt you just for a second. So now I'll be at a game and we're, we're about ready to bat around and I'm going to root probably for an out just so Cassie can have a clean <laughs> scoreboard. <laughs> Because I, <laughs> well, I I've gotten better at it. I do worry about you because of all of the detail that you give. I don't want anything live stats to go wrong. I don't want the broadcast <laughs> to go wrong. I, I oh. want to because you do such great work. So go ahead, take oh, it away. Thank you. You're welcome. So this week I took a, a bit of a look at runners in scoring position and kind of a little bit of everything to do with that. And on the offensive side, with runners in scoring position, it's been kind of hit and miss. When we've been doing well, we've been scoring those runners in scoring position. When we haven't been doing well, we haven't been scoring them. It kind of goes hand in hand. Um, But as of now, about 76% of the runners who reached third base with fewer than two outs went on to score. 
which isn't a horrible number. Um, but at the same time, 42% of the at-bats in those situations have been strikeouts, and this is up two percentage points just from last week. So in a week where we did fantastic, we had four wins, it was great, we're still striking out with runners in scoring position, which isn't as ideal. No, Cassie, uh, I think that's a I, – I, I'm glad you found that because we've talked and it gets a little bit frustrating when we have a runner on third with – uh, one out and don't bring them in and we strike out mm-hmm. and don't even put the ball in play and, and even you know, runners in scoring position include yeah. second base but you're in a yeah. scoring position move that ball take it to right field do something have a productive out if you can and, and and sometimes when we get 13 or 10 runs it just seems like okay now we're hitting and the other we're taking advantage of the other team but we have to do that consistently and we have to do it in tight games and the strikeout that's just an area that needs to get better yeah for one of the once I, and again, it was a 13 to nothing game, so it's kind of hard to harp on that second game of the doubleheader. But we had, with one out, we had a walk, a single, and then was originally ruled an error, but they retroactively changed it to a single, um, and then a pair of strikeouts. We had bases loaded with one down and didn't score anybody. Again, 13 to nothing win, take it with a grain of salt, deep breath, but it was it those situations are still very frustrating. But we do have some guys who are doing really well with runners in scoring position. Uh Lloyd is batting 444 with runners in scoring position. Feynman is right up there at 393 and Kalitha's at 308 with wow. runners in scoring position, which is fantastic. And then several of the of the guys who don't have such great batting averages with runners in scoring position are still being super productive. Uh, Miller is batting 107 with runners in scoring position, but he has been a master at the RBI ground out, which hurts his batting average, but is still productive and is a good thing. Uh, and he, so in those. Uh, plate appearances with runners in scoring position, he's been productive in 52% of them. Uh, Sowers is in a similar situation, batting 174, but he's productive in 56% of those plate appearances. He never sees any pitch with runners in scoring position in a base open. Yeah. Yeah. Do do we know what normal statistics or do we know what a baseball coach would say would be is 52 and 56 a high number, an acceptable number? Uh, well, I mean, that, that's something that, uh, again, being a basketball guy, I, I don't know in that situation if, yeah. if that's those are good numbers or bad numbers. Yeah, these are, my gut says slightly above last year, but I can pull that up real quick. Uh, the lowest out of the guys who see at least two an average of two plate appearances a game, uh, the lowest is 343 for productive. And that, that counts uh, errors, advancing a runner who later scores. So if you have a ground out that advances the runner from first to second and that runner then scores, that counts as being productive. Um, padding. 
Yeah, that's yeah. something that we've been we've been harping on is the production with runners in scoring position and moving runners around, and it seems like we're at least doing an acceptable job number wise. Yes, and so, yeah, so we we need to back off a little bit because we probably expect it to happen every time. Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering out loud, you know, what is a good good percentage of time of 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 getting hits or getting productive at, at plate appearances? So that's yes. something maybe we can discuss at the rail with with some people or yeah. Yeah, it's looking like research. last season we averaged right around that 400 mark. 400, 410 for productive with runners in scoring position. So we, on average, we're a little bit above that. We've got one, two, three, four, five of those guys uh, north of 500. And then uh, Dunham is at 474, so very close. Um, and analytics are a part of baseball studying stats and, and analytics and, and Cassie brings, Cassie has such good stats that we have to do a production show, talk about which stats we can use Mm -hmm. and which ones we can't use because (laughs) they're so good. The opponents might start, you know, getting information and, and using it. Uh, and we don't want our, our sharing of information to hurt our squad. So we might have to Cassie come up with a, a Cassie uh, post show that is not live broadcast, but yeah. our fans can maybe ask questions or maybe uh, some way to code the, yes. the the stats so that we don't give away secrets. That seriously, yes. people, that's how good Cassie is. That that we really have discussions and and there's more to it, and and we'll share that with you. But we have discussions yes. on can we use her stats? Can we not use our stats in a public forum? Yes. But what we do like the the four of us or the five of us, what we do like is on the our direct messages and Twitter, we get some really good stat information. Yes. Uh, and about, if any of <laughs> and if any of the Hoosier fans want to DM me with questions, especially parents, relatives, whatever, want to DM me with questions about stats, go for it. I will do my best to answer them. I will also be, and I'm going to talk about this in final thoughts. I'm going to be in town this weekend. So if you want to come up, ask me questions, ask for stats, I've got five or six spreadsheets. I can get them all on my phone so I can pull up just about any stat you could possibly imagine. Cease and desist, Cassie. I know. I know. (laughs) You have to have three forms of identification to know that you're not a a Big Ten scout before we can send you information, though. (laughs) A, A little... Hey, a little bit of an inside story there, but if you'd like to know more, you can stop by our tailgates. Uh, we started to have some parents start stop by and say hello. We had some fans stop by. We'd like to see a lot more. Bring a chair, uh, bring a bag of chips. If, if you have something specific you want to throw on a grill, you can bring that uh, Saturdays. Uh, we, we It's starting to grow. We would like to see it a lot more uh, and have a big group. We have a nice canopy now, so Cassie will be in town, so if you want yes. to talk to the stat guru herself, stop by and, and say hello. We might have to have a fire pit and Ooh, bundled up a little bit at the tailgate, but we'll be out there bright and early on Saturday. So, Cassie, yes. thank you for, for that information. I will say gonna... one last one sure. last thing with runners in scoring position. Probably my favorite stat so far is that with runners in scoring position and two outs, Matt Lloyd is batting 583. He's wow. had 12 of those at bats, and he's batting 583, which is nuts. And Feynman and Kalitha are up there, too, at 385 and 353. So if if my life were hanging on a hit with runners in scoring position and two outs, 
I'm definitely taking one of those three, but probably Matty Lloyd. That he's a clutch performer. So mm. good, good stuff from Cassie. We appreciate her quite a bit. We're going to move on now to the story of the week, and this is this is stuff that happens at Bart Kaufman Stadium, especially <laughs> on the third base side at the rail. Uh, and a little bit of a tailgate recap. So, Josh, take it away. Well, this is going to be a group group effort from uh, me, you, and Carl today because, yeah, we'll talk about the stuff that happens at the BART. Uh, next week it'll be Cassie, too, because she'll be up there with us. Um, but uh, the tailgate recap, uh, I thought we had some pretty decent food. We got to debut the canopy until the wind whipped up to about 30-mile-an-hour gusts and uh, – Kirsten was getting blown away, so we uh, took it down. Uh, we didn't have as many stop by this week as as we expected, just because the women were playing in the NIT championship game, and so some of our friends that would be there weren't able to be there. But uh, I don't know what the menu is going to be this next week if we have it. I know that uh, Feeney said he's bringing s'mores, so I guess that means Brian has to bring his fire pit, and I'll bring some wood. Um, and I don't know what we're what we're going to have on the menu. Huh? I'm thinking a little bit of soup or. Uh, no, no, no. Now, wait. I wasn't done. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say wings in honor of Jody and the discussion on the on the, on the the rail up there. We, we're, we, we Brian can. and I were trying to convince him to get to Buffaloes for some. And your son, we're trying to convince him to Jody's get to Jody's got to get to Buffaloes. But yeah, we might wings. have to have something with a little bit of a heat to it, whether it's I, spicy yeah, I, or, or a chili or a vegetable soup. Or something to uh, yeah. to keep us warm on Saturday. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe about um, doing that. But we'll have some good food. Uh, we really we we really understand that this is kind of a new concept for baseball. It's more of a football uh, type of thing. But we really want to support and and grow our uh, listeners and followers. And and so uh, stop by, meet Drew. If anything, Drew's fantastic uh, young man at the tailgate. So we, yeah, we that, had some uh, new was, people stop by and introduce yeah. themselves that weren't. We're part of the regular crowd this weekend, so that was that was encouraging. And, and uh, we we appreciate everyone who does stop by. There were some great brats and Italian sausages. Josh uh, was a master chef this weekend. Puts the pressure on the rest of us yes, uh, to was. come up with with stuff. So thank you. You're very welcome. So then we also at the rail we also had some premature limo hat discussions. You know, we I think Brian had them handed out um, about the. Th- third or fourth inning of the first Butler game. And then my wife, Nancy had to turn around and say, what? We, we haven't even played a game yet. You're, you're handing them out already. That's, that's how passionate we are. And when a big play is made, you know, we're high five and anybody who's close to us. And uh, so, yeah, you, you want to give credit to whoever's made the big play, but uh, we, we, so yeah, we, and, and, Nancy was right because I was about ready to give Drew Ashley a limo hat just for scoring a run from third base. I'd been frustrated so long, you know, and then I find out Cassie's we'll too much I, attention. Yeah. That Cassie, I'm not paying the right attention because Cassie proved that I was wrong anyway. So, but yeah, I, I think I gave, I think I gave the pitching, the defense and the hitting one out with the third inning of the first game of the, of the series. But if you know, if you listeners see us up at the rail on the third base side and want to lobby for your favorite player or, your son, if you're a parent, uh, come up and lobby for for the hats. We we love to have the discussions. So, what else happened up there, Josh, at the rail in a long afternoon at the Bart? Well, we were handing out limo hats on a long Friday in the third inning. We were handing those out, and then 
what, five, six hours later, we were uh, discussing ramen noodles and poor man's tuna helper and just, I mean, just random stuff. It was a long day. Now, see, Josh is a little bit, he doesn't want to get back in this discussion because. I I led you back into it. I'm going to take over a little bit. Jody Beecham and I were sitting there and he brings up this ramen noodles and tuna. Uh, at the at the rail in a in a game after we're ahead by a lot of runs and we just couldn't believe that he actually eats that so we got into some jailhouse recipes some eight. real crazy eight recipes. at one time what was that eight at one time not now yeah. it was a so, staple back in the poor days yeah so we got into some weird recipes uh, these are things that happen at baseball games and baseball players in the dugout you know they have a lot of idle time well us fans we had some idle time so we were uh, talking about some of the crazy recipes. But then we also got to meet some neat people, and and we got some superstitious people up on the third base rail. Uh, Lisa Bradley, who has done – I think it's Lisa, and I hope I have her name right, who's done some writing for IUBase.com, a story about uh, the importance of IU baseball for her and, and her son. She moved down by us, and then we started scoring some runs, so I wouldn't let her move away. Yep. Um, and so she held a key spot during the rallies this week. Um Ryan Feynman's dad, Ira, has a really good spot for scoring runs, and and he was just bullying people out of the way, which is really cool to see. Thanks, Ira. It was fun, and and so you know, make sure you get your spot uh, when you're in uh, next week. Uh, we had Blake Kruger, Cal's dad, is not a big fan of the Reds' uh, uniforms on Saturday. He believes they're Sunday uniforms. We learned that, uh, and we appreciate him stopping by and and sharing that. And and then you know. Our tailgate buddy, Chad, I think it's Chad Ashley. I got to get these names. Yep. I'm, I'm an educator. Yep, I'm really bad. But uh, Drew Ashley's dad, Chad, stops by the tailgate, stole a couple uh, of sausages, and <laughs> went back to his tailgate. And, but really good cu- talking with him over the cu- last couple of weeks. But he has some seats in the red seats, and there's a foul ball comes by, and he just nonchalantly just sat there. And, and you can tell why Drew has the guts to hit a fly ball in a key situation because his dad was just not phased um, with the possibility of this – screaming foul ball coming down at him. So there's some uh, interesting things happening at the bar at the rail, and that's where a lot of us congregate at. Sometimes we do move around based on superstitions, but come up and see us and give us a, a limo hat suggestion, a recipe to try, or uh, some tailgate information, or just simply talk baseball with us up at the rail on the third base side. Carl, we're playing a couple in-state rivals again this week, and I, you have the preview. We have Ball State. And we have that other team in our conference that's from Indiana. Uh, tell our listeners what we can expect. All right. Uh, the Ball State Cardinals, they are currently 14 and 13. Uh, and I also kind of broke out that they're 2-2 two and two in midweek games as we're going to be playing them uh, in a midweek game. Um, they have four guys who have significant uh, at-bats that are batting over 300. Um, so that's one of the ways that they have, uh, they've been successful. Uh, they look, it looks that they've really not settled a lot on pitching. They've got a lot of different guys that are putting innings in, um, which of course means that I, it was kind of difficult to, to get an idea as to, you know, who would, uh, the Hoosiers be facing. Um, so, I mean, this is a team that, that that's had a, a decent amount of success. They've managed to win games. They've managed to win games in the midweeks and against a couple of good teams. Uh, so this is uh this is a challenge. It's a game, uh, on the road, uh, a game that may very well be played in some poor weather. So uh, these are you know, these are one of those, some of those games you just you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, 
And uh, so that's, uh, that's uh, I think, currently scheduled for tomorrow at 3. But I think that uh, you know, weather could possibly have an impact. So uh, check various Twitter feeds to see, uh, see what the changes are, if any, as far as that goes. Um, the uh, weekend series for the team uh, up north, uh, they are 14 and 10 on the year. They had gotten off to a really great start, uh, but have kind of backed off a little bit. Um, although they did get off to a 3-0 start uh, in the Big Ten against some fairly weak competition. Uh, and that's kind of been their calling card this year. Um, they have been done a great job of beating uh, bad teams and uh, getting beat by good teams. Um, and our hope as, uh, as Indiana Hoosier fans is that that keeps, uh, keeps going and uh, being the best team that they have really faced so far. Uh, that uh, Indiana should take care of the team up up north and hopefully uh, a series win or or really hopefully a a, a series sweep. Uh, like Ball State, they have four guys with significant at-bats. Um, they do have uh, one power hitter, uh, Jackson McGowan, who leads his team with eight home runs. Uh, as a team, they've got a very decent ERA of 3.5. Um, so they've been taking care of business. They have uh, two consistent two consistent guys who will be there uh, Friday and Saturday guys, uh, Andrews and Stroh. Um, it looks like they have kind of switched up their original plan. Um, and their new uh, closer is Ross Lernard, who he has a, a 1.64 ERA and uh, three saves, uh, who was not going to be their original. So they're definitely like a lot of teams uh, going through and making uh, some changes and some decisions about you know, who's going to be in what role. Uh, but they seem to have that, that aspect of their uh, pitching staff uh, in place. So it's going to be important to uh, to either work them to the rest of the bullpen um, early, not just, you know, eighth inning, but, you know, fifth or sixth inning, um, and, and hopefully just hit against these guys. Um, Sunday, it looks like Sunday is probably more up in the air. They've got uh, the innings are pretty much broken up for this team uh, after that. Um, but this is a team that's, you know, as I said, they've, they've, they've done, they've done well in some parts. They've done not, not so well in others. Uh, the, this is a second year coach who pretty much pulled off a miracle job last year. Uh, this team was truly awful two years ago. Um, and then qualified for the big 10 tournament. And we got to see them play uh, in Bloomington uh, at the big 10 tournament last year. So, uh, and you know, they're, they're going to be gunning for the Hoosiers, um, so this is a uh, this is going to be an important weekend and hopefully a chance to to get some wins. Yeah, and we struggled last year in the, in the weekend series against the team up north. And uh, yeah, hold that sign back up again, Carl. Yes, yes. That that is exactly what we want to do without saying the name. Uh, <laughs> well so, done, Carl. Uh, by the way. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> but, you know, we lost a game, if I believe right, the Friday night game we had to lead and we gave it up late and we made some defensive errors. And then um, Saturday we might – we weren't in the game and then Sunday we bounced back and were able to win the, the third game up there. So we lost a series. So we we need to come back and, and take care of business against the team up north. Uh, my goal for them is is to win the series. I would yep. love a sweep, but, you, but go two and one. Uh, against uh, an opponent that's on the uptick uh, with with their new coach. So 
that's our preview for the week. Uh, final thoughts around the panel here before we sign off. Cassie, your final thoughts on an excellent week for Hoosier baseball. Yeah, I mean, 4-0 this week is fantastic. And the way they did it, finding the different way, walk off, pass, ball, 13 to nothing win. They they found all kinds of different ways. But really, since, since probably about the end of the game Saturday, my thoughts have been, I will be in Bloomington this weekend. I will be in Bloomington this weekend. I will be in Bloomington this weekend. Um, I can't wait to see everyone and catch some games live at the BART in person, even with it being probably cold and possibly wet. I'm so excited to be back home at the BART. Uh, that six-hour drive is going to feel like nothing with that as the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, before I pass it on, I wanted to point out for the Ball State game, because the IU schedule just has the live stats. Ball State, it appears, has a video link, and it appears to possibly be free, but I offer no guarantees. They also have on-demand, and and so you can watch other games, which gives me hope that for a 2 o'clock Central Time game, I don't have to try to keep a scorecard at work. Because that good. never goes over well with Cassie, we're looking forward to having you in Bloomington. And that's uh, probably even more important than the games, to be honest with you. We're glad, we're glad you're coming yeah. in. Carl, your uh, final thoughts on this great week? Yeah, my thoughts are it, it seems like this team is is almost there. They're almost on the cusp of putting all these pieces together. Uh, and I do agree. It's a great thing that they have found all these different ways to win. But every time we've said, okay, this is an issue – they seem to have solved that in pretty in pretty short order. The beginning of the season, starting pitching was an issue, and they they seem to have solidified that. And then there'd be a couple hiccups in various aspects of the game, um, and those things seem to be be, be turned around. Uh, I, I I think this team has the potential to take all of these pieces and put together a really solid winning streak, um, and. And you know, during that period, especially that that the homestand with the very poor competition, I was kind of glad that the national media was uh, was ignoring it. But listening to the D one baseball podcast today and having them talk about you know Kentucky at number nine, who who fell quite a bit and who basically is really only there due to the eye test. They've uh, they've really been struggling lately, um, and then uh, and they didn't really even they didn't actually mention Indiana at all breaking into the top 10. That wasn't even mentioned on the podcast. They went straight to East, East Carolina. So uh, it's almost like this team is now flying under the radar. I think there was a, there was some views of the team early on in the year, particularly the series at the beach. Um, But uh, as most of these uh, baseball writers like warm weather, they really haven't seen the Hoosiers lately. So uh, you know, I think it's going to take something like a really big winning streak to get that attention pulled back and uh, maybe uh, maybe get some eyeballs over here when the weather does warm up. Uh, and I just think the team's capable of it. And, yeah, I'm not banking on it, especially, you know, with a 19-9 prediction. And, uh, but, you know, I've, uh, I've uh, heard some people saying, hey, this team can do a lot better. Uh, uh, shout out to Steve Lloyd in particular. Uh, you know, this, this team can do a lot better. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if that uh, if that could possibly happen and if we could you know maybe see another sweep this week. 
You know, Carl, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, and we were talking to uh, some of the people up at the rail and, and Steve, if you're listening, I know you had the, the tweet of the week, but we might combine that with the talk at the rail of the week uh, for your suggestion. We do appreciate you following the show. Um, but we're ranked number 11 and we're ranked number 10, but it doesn't seem like we're dominating like a top 10 team. And I think that goes to your point, Carl, about we've pitched well and then we didn't execute defensively. When we execute well defensively, maybe we, we didn't hit as well uh, as possible. We If and when we put together all phases of the game to the level that we have shown that we're capable, we are going to really win a lot of games and a lot of games in a row. And and, and that with a – we're 20-5, and five and we feel like we haven't played our best baseball. And, and I agree with you on that. And, and so if our best baseball is ahead, then that's really going to bode well for our record um, on that. Josh, your final thoughts on an excellent week for our baseball club. Uh, yeah, uh, we're 20 and five. So that's our second best start. Since, well, that's our best start since 2013, the College World Series year um, when we started 20 on the four. Thanks, Cass, for helping me with that last night. And then I wanted to my last thought was I'm trying to pay homage to the BJ mustache. I don't know if that's coming through or not, but uh, I want to give a shout out to BJ for uh, what he's done this year. 10 innings pitched, uh, two hits, three walks, 13 strikeouts, and no earned runs. So when he comes into the game, you know it's over. Um, so I just want to give him a shout out. And since Feeney won't take care of the promo, I thought I'd Hey, I'm here on the podcast. Josh's uh, handlebar mustache turned his mustache into a handlebar thing there in honor of BJ's mustache, which is quite famous at the Bart. Uh, for those people who are listening and not viewing, it's quite the go back to YouTube at the late part of the show and I'm take it. I'm sorry, I, I forget about that, Brian. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. We we have multiple ways of people listening to us, so we just want to make sure they all understand what we're doing. My final thoughts are this: is that we have not played our best baseball yet. And we're ranked number 10 in the country, and we're 20 and 5. Uh, we had our road trips at the beginning of the year. Since we've been home, the weather has been tough. We've had to deal with some cancellations, waiting 10 days, pitchers not being on a regular rotation. And we have seemed to handle that rather well. Uh, yes, uh, some of the play has not been like us fans want it to be perfect every inning, every game. Uh, but when we start playing our best baseball, I think we'll rack up some wins. And the other thing is don't get caught up in the Big Ten standings yet until every team has had a chance to play three or four weeks and let that settle in because uh, when you only play two games and then have a bye week, uh, the other teams have a chance to to get three or four wins and the standings look all um, out of whack. So uh, looking forward to another solid week of games against teams from Indiana and including our rival on the weekend. Hopefully the weather will break and at least it's not wet. Uh, we can deal with a little bit of cold and, and hopefully that there, there's a little bit of change there. And Carl, with the, the great message again, we'll put him on the screen as I'm talking. Uh, we really want to do a, a show next week with another uh, at least three and one or four and one. So yep. that'll do it for uh, Talking Hoosier Baseball, Episode 9. Uh, please find all future podcasts on Sports Talk with Tonsoni, which can be found on your favorite podcast source, as well as under the Talking Hoosier Baseball tab on iubase.com. Please follow iubase.com on Twitter. Their handle is at iubase17. And follow Talking Hoosier Baseball podcast at, on Twitter 
with the handle at CU at the BART. Visit iubase.com to see other articles and other posts from our team and from our guests. Uh, we appreciate it. So for the gang, I'm Brian Tonsoni. Go Hoosiers. And see you at the BART this weekend. Indiana now to see my baby in her evening gown. And even-